It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On Magic is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. We are less than a week from the trade deadline. It's time to assess the roster, and we need some help to do that. Yes, that's right. I'll be changing shirts here in a minute. It might be a little bit brighter in my room. It's time to talk NBA trade deadline and where the Magic stand with our good friend Keith Smith of SpotRack. It's time for Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 3rd, 2023. We're coming to you from the past on a Wednesday, so no spoilers for the Philadelphia 76ers game uh, on, on tonight. But we are joined today, uh, now less than a week away from the trade deadline, by our good friend Keith Smith of Spotrack. Spotrack, I, I never get the name. The, <laughs> you the kind of split the difference. It's okay, Spotrack. Good. Spotrack, okay. Yep. See, it, 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 we, you got to ask these things beforehand. But we're joined today by Keith Smith. Keith, uh, our, our yearly guest here before the deadline for any transaction period. Keith, first off, how are you doing? How, 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 how's everything feeling now? Uh, a little bit, uh, a week away from the big day. Yeah, this is when things start to pick up is when you get to about a week out. It's it's everybody's kind of this is the teams that said we could never trade player X for less than two first round picks. And another team's like, well, we'll give you one second round pick. And like everybody starts to get a little bit more reasonable and some teams get a little more desperate. The, the difference this year, more than any year that since I've been doing this is there's only four truly bad teams in the league. Charlotte, Detroit, San Antonio, and Houston. There are like 10 to 12 teams that are like, we could win this whole thing if, you know, we get the right guys, if we're healthy, if we're the right matchups, whatever. So it's just a very weird year where there are so many teams in it, uh, so few teams that are out of it. So it's it's taking a while for all of this to kind of come to develop, come together and develop. But that's part of the fun. I still think we're going to get a lot of stuff done here in the last week before the deadline. But but I, I don't know that it's going to be, uh, you know, what we traditionally see, meaning bad team trades away, you know, good player to clear cap space or to move money around or whatever. I think it might be good team trades with other good team to rebalance their rosters for better fits and those kind of things. Yeah, that's, that's you know, I, I want to get a little bit into the kind of national picture at, picture um, because obviously like everything is of a piece. So, you know, like a, like something, we'll get into Mo Bamba in a little bit, I'm sure, but like Mo Bamba is like four or five, maybe six guys down, down, the, down, the, down the path. And, you know, like, I noted when the Pacers signed the extension of Miles Turner, well, there's the first domino to fall. Now all the teams that need a center focus on Yaka Pertl, uh from San Antonio. Uh, you know, there's, there's you know, uh, Mason Plumlee from Charlotte. You know, there's there's a couple guys you got to get to before you get to 
to someone like Mo Bamba. And so every, you know, and everyone around the league is kind of in a holding pattern trying to figure out what Toronto is going to do um, because they're not having the season they're anticipating. They've got free agents at Fred Van Vliet, uh, Gary Trent Jr., who I know a lot of Magic fans are, are, are particularly interested in, um, as well as OG Ananobi. They've got some big decisions to make, and it feels like everyone around the league is kind of waiting for them to do something before everything else falls into place. So you do have to have the national picture in mind. We'll we'll, we'll get to that, I, I think, a little bit later on in the show. But you, you mentioned something really interesting there because it, it really, I think, plays to where the Magic are sitting. Um, the play-in tournament has changed the deadline. I think I think uh, whether that was an unintended consequence or uh, uh, just a thing that the NBA is okay with because the NBA ecosystem does rely on the rumor-mongering and the, and, and, and the constant talk about the, about the transaction periods. Um, but what effect has the play-in tournament had and the fact that it's so accessible to so many teams? I mean, the Magic, as we sit here today, are four games back of that play-in tournament after the start that they had. The Magic are a team that, you know, believes to some extent, hey, we have an outside shot at this thing. What role has that played in how teams are acting at the deadline? And, and does that change how we do our trade deadline calculus now? Yeah, it really has. I think it's a combination of two things, one working at the top and one working at the bottom. I think the play-in tournament side of it is more teams are in it later in the year. Normally we get to Christmas-ish in that range and all of a sudden we see, all right, seven, eight teams are kind of out of it. Even if they're not out of it, you're like, they're they're out. They, they need to have a you know, massive you know, turnaround in the second half to even make a run. And now we're sitting here looking at it. And the East is a little more defined than the West. I mean, the West is just bonkers. Like, the West you, is nuts. You have the Lakers, who are you know, all the way down in 13th, could be still looking at and saying, yeah, we can still get home court advantage in the playoffs. Never mind home court in the play-in, but home court in the actual playoffs. In the East, it's a little more, I think we've kind of got our top um, four teams. Then you've got a couple teams in Cleveland, or top three teams, I, should, I guess four, if you still count Brooklyn in there. But then five, six, Miami, Cleveland are kind of fighting. New York's kind of trying to hang on in that race. And then it's a bunch of teams in the playing range. So I think that's the top end change. I think the bottom end change is the flattening of the lottery odds, where there's no benefit to being truly horrific. Like, and, oh my God, like, like and we know, right? Because there's been years where there's been Magic games. You and I have both been at Magic games where they've won in like March and April and people are like, oh, why did we win, right? Now you you don't have to lose every single game. There's no real benefit. You just, you just got to be kind of normally bad. You, you don't need to be, you know, truly God awful. And I think that has changed where teams don't come into the season basically saying, let's bottom out from day one. If this was five years ago, the example I would use, Oklahoma City and Orlando this year. This was five seasons ago. They would have probably started the season with slightly different thoughts in mind of, hey, it might be better for us to be pretty bad. And then, wow, we've won a few games in San Antonio and Detroit are starting to pull away. All right, oh, that rolled ankle that's going to keep you out of game? That's not going to keep you out for a week. And those kind of things, because that's just the way it worked for years and years. Now what's happened is Oklahoma City's kind of hung in there all year long, and they could kind of look at it and say, hey, you know what? Forget it. Like, we let's just play. Orlando has been able to look at it and say, yeah, we had an absolutely terrible start to the year. 
but we started to get healthy, started to get some guys back. What a what a wonder it is when you actually have guards and ball handlers. How Crazy different thought. the team can look, right? Yeah, right. I know the new <laughs> revolutionary basketball here. You know, ball handlers are important, but it is becomes for them. It's like, well, we don't have to be. If this was five years ago, they might have held off another few weeks on those guys. They're just we'll bring two of them back instead of all of them. And it's just because that's just the way it worked. Now it is, Hey, let's go. And and so what you're saying is these teams can be kind of bad. They'll stumble down to the bottom of the standings, but it just kind of happens. Like I look at Houston, San Antonio, those teams are naturally bad teams. They were just going to, they're young. They're relying on, on kids. Um, I look at Orlando. It did there. I put them in almost their own category where it's like, they're bad, but they're not trying to be bad. Like it was like, hey, if we can step forward and be you know, good and competitive, that's great. That's where we'll go. And then you have teams like Charlotte and Detroit. Detroit would have been in that same category, but losing Cade Cunningham, everything kind of fell apart. And then Charlotte, there's a team like this every year where the wheels come off. Yeah, It's just, you can't get it back. So they don't, that combination of those two things has fully changed our trade deadline math to, our, we're not going to have it be, 10 sellers every year at the trade deadline anymore because they just don't exist like that. And I think what the other part is that though opens up things like that Kings Pacers trade a year ago, the Halliburton for Sabonis deal, where it was like, holy cow, that deal came out of nowhere, shocked everybody. I'll just do a quick thing. I think the Kings got way too much grief for making that trade. Oh, people for sure. They still <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people started treating Sabonis like he was like some cast off on a bad contract instead of a two-time all-star. But that was the kind of trade between two teams, kind of middling teams, kind of hanging out in the middle, where it was, hey, we both need to rebalance a little. You really need a big. We need an offensive engine here in Indiana. Let's let's do this trade. And that's what I think we might start to see more of is teams saying, hey, let's rebalance a little bit. You've got something we could use. We've got something you can use and let's go. Well, versus that was never the kind of trade we saw for years and years, especially yeah. in season. It was always we're going up. You're going down. Let's swap some pieces to mutually benefit both of us. And now we're starting to see teams approaching in a very different way. Yeah, it's it's. It, it's interesting that you kind of say it that way. Cause like, you know, typically when I think of the trade deadline, we think of this buyers and sellers market. There's just so little time to integrate players into your group, into your team. You're in the middle of a season. You're not going to have practice time to get them, get them going. Mm -hmm. So you need guys that you, you can't make these major changes. Um, if anything, kind of the buyers market are teams that are looking to add that one little piece to get them over the hump for whatever their goals are for the season. Uh, and the sellers are the teams that are already thinking like, how do we set up our off season? How do we set ourselves up for the, for the, for the next phase of whatever we're building? Um, and, and you're right that, that Indiana Sacramento deal, I, I think everyone, like when we talked about it, tried to frame it in that way, tried to frame it in that this team's looking to the future, this team's looking to buy. And, you know, neither team was really in the playoff hunt. So, so I think, mm -hmm. I, I, I think when, you know, narratively how we think about these deals, that's, that's part of why that deal confused everyone. And, you know, some of it certainly was, you know, Sacramento's kind of gone nowhere. Why are they trading the young, promising Tyrese Halliburton instead of maybe the veteran Darren Fox, who hasn't really done much? You know, Sabonis, I think people kind of viewed him as a, as a you know, kind of a, for Magic fans, a Nikola Vucevic type, who's kind sure. of a flawed, you know, you know, floor raiser, ceiling setter type type player. But obviously it's a trade that's worked out for both, both teams. Sacramento's probably going to make the playoffs for the first time uh, in a decade and a half. 
Uh, the Indiana Pacers, who everyone pegged as a tanking team this year, have so you know have a ton of veterans and have really surprised a lot of people. And some of that is they they invested in Tyrese Halliburton. Um, it's it's definitely interesting because you know typically I think you you would see these kind of mutually beneficial trades happen in the offseason. And you know I think I think something that fans are beginning to realize more and more is the trade that the conversations don't stop at the trade deadline. Correct. Um, they just can't execute the trades until the draft, and, and so yep. so the the, the the timelines change, but the conversations don't stop. Um, let me give so, you. Let, let me jump in very quickly yeah, because there, there's a real good example of that in real life from a couple years ago when the Grizzlies had kind of started their their sell off portion from the Gasol, Conley, Randolph teams. They traded Marcus All uh, that year, obviously, to the Raptors. But they got very, very close to trading Mike Conley to the Pistons, like very close. And ultimately to the Pistons and to the Jazz. Those were the two teams that they were looking at. And then it came down to at the end, both the Pistons and the Jazz were like just too hard right now because Conley was sitting on a 30 something million dollar salary. And it was like, that's just too big of a number because we're going to have to send you like four guys to match salary and all the things that are easier to do in the summer. But then when it came, Grizzlies kept Conley, season finished, and it was very clear, hey, we're we're starting over here in Memphis. The groundwork was already laid. They immediately go back to the Jazz. Hey, we think we can do this. Had to probably tweak and change some stuff because of how the seasons had gone. But then right at the start of that offseason, Mike Conley moved on and was a member of the Jazz. And that's the kind of stuff that does happen now, even if it doesn't get done today, you start setting that groundwork today for deals that may happen in the summertime. So that's absolutely a great point. Let's take a quick break from our conversation to tell you a little bit more about our friends at LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Yeah, and and you know, just just turning turning then to the magic, they're in just this really kind of funky spot, uh, you know, because like you said, you know, their team down at the bottom of the standings, they they they're young, they're expecting to go through growing pains, but you know, you know, I I, I had this, I've had this conversation with God knows how many people regarding Donovan Mitchell. Um, like everyone, like I've, I've had NBA people tell me, like, ask me like, why didn't the magic go after Donovan Mitchell? And like only Jeff Waltman knows what he's thinking, but my thinking was always along the lines of like, you know, you add a Donovan Mitchell, uh, and make that investment. You got to win immediately. And, and I just, at, at least last summer, I didn't feel like the magic were ready to take that step that, you know, they'd won 22 games. They had a rookie in Paolo Bancaro, a sophomore Franz Wagner. You don't really, you have an idea of what you have, but you don't really know what you have. And if you throw Donovan Mitchell into that mix, plus whatever it costs to get, to get him or minus whatever it costs to get him, all of a sudden now you have these winning expectations on, on guys that have, haven't really understood the league yet. And I, I just didn't feel like the team was ready for it by about no, you know, Mid-November, Thanksgiving, around, you know, Chris, let's say Christmas at the latest, having watched a quarter of the season of Paolo Bancaro, I was like, okay, th- this this team is ready. Like this this sure. team, this team could have, you know, I don't know if they could have handled them then, but if Donovan Mitchell were presented to me today, I think this team w- would have been ready for it. So this Magic team is in this weird spot where they're at the bottom of the standings. They're within shouting distance of the play-in tournament. They're too far ahead of the tanking teams. They're not interested in tanking. They want to see these guys learn how to win. Yeah. Um. They're probably at a stage. You know, they got cap. They got. You know, we got to also consider they have a ton of cap room to, to to play with this summer as well. They're at this weird place where they got all this young talent. They don't necessarily have a ton to offer other teams unless they're willing to give up a Gary Harris. Um. You know, I think it's probably the most valuable tradable asset on the team. But they're also probably in this place where they're ready to make that all-in trade at, trade within the next year. If you're the Magic, how do you approach this deadline? Because you have some things to clean up on the roster just to, just to create space for some guys. You have an expiring contract in Terrence Ross. You have a lot of like these team options, like partially guaranteed contracts that could be really valuable to teams, but cap room isn't as valuable as I think it used to be. Um, if you're the Magic... Do you look to buy at this deadline or, or, or do you just look to kind of say like, hey, let's trim the edges and, and wait for the summer to make kind of the big moves that'll, that'll push this roster into a playoff spot? Yeah, I, the term I've been using to describe the magic is I think they should be opportunistic buyers where if you can get a guy who it's not about a guy lifting you the rest of this season. If that happens, great, fine, no problem. But it's more about does this guy fit with us where we're going starting next year? Is this somebody who can be here and be a part of this? They should not be doing any big trades for a guy who's an all in move to just chase the play in tournament. Cause it's going to cost you more than what it's probably ultimately going to be worth. And unless you feel like that guy is a hundred percent going to resign in Orlando and all those things, then it just, that gets potentially very, very messy. And it feels like that is a mistake that, prior magic front offices might've made in this position of, you know, Hey, let's go get, you know, player X, Y, and Z and really beef up. For, you could say Brandon Jennings. That's okay. <laughs> but let's make a run for the eight seed. Right. And that's kind of like, what, why? No one wants that. Like, you know, that's not a thing, you know? So for me is, but if you can land, Hey, this guy can really be a part of us for the next three to four years. Like he can really fit around our new kind of the, the the two core guys of Paulo and Franz. Like 
all right, let's go. Let's, let's, let's make a move like that. And I think they're better positioned than a team in their spot usually is because it often when it's a player like that, a team might be looking for, Hey, we need to free up a little salary flexibility. We need to change our cap picture, our tax picture, whatever it is. And Orlando's in position where you can deliver 20 plus million in expiring money to a team, even if it's not, well, we got to get into the race for, you know, cap space and free agents. There's still benefits to, Hey, you know, this guy just doesn't, his $30 million deal doesn't necessarily fit with where we want to be. And Orlando may look at and be like, that actually fits pretty good for us. And they can make that kind of swap and do that. So the, the term that I like to use in this is think of it as pre-agency, right? We've got free agency in the summertime, but you could almost make a move in the next week where it is, we made our big summertime move. We just made it a couple months early. And then we get the benefit of, let's see what it looks like with this guy. I don't think we're no longer in the, um, hey, we'll tax team. We'll take on uh, Bull Bull and Mo Wagner and uh, PJ Dozier from you. Like, thanks you know, for, for, for grabbing those types of guys and salary tax stunts, even though Bull Bull worked out better than anybody ever could have imagined um, in that type of situation. But that could still happen too, because they're a mile under the tax. They may, may still say, yeah, we can eat a little bit of bad money. But they're in a very, very good spot because I think my sense is there's no real pressure to you got to make a run right now this year. Everybody gets it, right? You better than what we thought we were going to be, and that's been fun. But let's not go overboard. We're not chasing the fifth seed here or the fourth seed. Like, let's just kind of let things play out. I'm with you. I don't think you're going to see them openly tank. That could change, like, at the beginning of April if it's like, man, we could get the fifth or sixth spot or uh, we, we could really make sure we get that Bulls pick, you know, instead of putting them in a better position. Uh, you know what? Hey, your back's a little tight, right? Well, why don't you sit today out? And Because that's – but that's just – to me, that's not – that's not overt tanking. Like if tomorrow they were like Paolo Bancaro is out with general soreness for the next three weeks, right? That's the overt tanking stuff that teams do. And we've seen magic teams do some of that in the past. They're not in that position. So I think what you're looking at is be an opportunistic buyer. Um, I jokingly say, please, for the love of God, trade Terrence Ross, <laughs> even if it's for a second round pick back, just like let him go play it out with a contender somewhere, let them be a bench piece for somebody. But that doesn't mean you got to take back somebody else's dumb contract, right? But just let him go, let, let him let him get get somewhere. I mean, he's now down to the point of feels like he hasn't played at all in a while and and when he does it's like, "Oh, we've got three other guys out, so we need you out there tonight." So, you know, so that's where, you know, let the last man standing finally go and, and move on. But beyond that, I don't see anything where it's like, we have to do this uh, with this team. And it's funny because I wish, well, let me rephrase. I I know teams wish they felt that way about Gary Harris. And I've heard teams, and it's almost like they're trying to talk themselves into the magic should do this, where it's like, well, you know, they got to free up minutes for Jalen Suggs, and Gary Harris is blocking him. And, I'm, and my whole thing is I'm like, one, like, it's fine. They can both play. They can both play 24 minutes and even just split a game right down the middle. And it's not going to hurt anything. And then it's, these are the kind of things you miss when you're not in the local market. You're not around the team, talking to people with the team and seeing 
Gary Harris is super important for this team because it sounds weird to put this on him because it's not like he's a 34-year-old, 12-year veteran. He's their kind of old head in the guard room, right? Where it's like, hey, me and the guards, like I've, you know, I've been here, I've been there, done that. He helps those guys through it and all that sort of stuff. And beyond that, he is playing incredible to the point where I don't know if you go through this, but I watch the magic games and I find myself saying, for the love of God, would you get Gary Harris more shots, please? <laughs> like just, you know, and even with Gary Harris, there's times I'm like, hey, next time down, force a couple. Like, like force one up, man. Cause like, like, like I, I don't know. Most people realize he's having a 50, 47, like 86 shooting season, but it's on like nine attempts per game. Like and that's not nine, three point attempts. That's nine total shot attempts. So, and I know that's not really in his nature to just come out and start gunning, but like, so that's where I'm like, there's no real reason it's, for them to it, trade it's, him. It's the issue that the magic are magic. Aren't a great offensive team yet. They, they, sure. their, their passing is not good. <laughs> it should be better, but it's not good. Um, because yeah. like, look, they have a lot of young guys. Like, like you know, uh, like you said, Gary Harris isn't just the old head in the guard room. He's the old head for the, the whole roster. team. Like, like, like you said, I, I expect if the Magic don't find a trade for Terrence Ross, and I'm sure they are working directly with Terrence to try and find a place that he wants to be. Yep. And like, he'll keep it quiet. The agent will keep it quiet. Um, so that they can actually try and get something for him. But I, I am fully expecting that if Terrence Ross isn't traded on deadline day, he's going to get bought out. He's going to go to the mercenary yeah. market. He's going to find he's going to find someplace someplace to play because like the magic, the magic have honestly the magic have two goals that I think they need to get done before the end of the season. And that's get Caleb Houston more playing time just to give the rookie a little bit more more space. And honestly, I think they want to turn Kevon Harris from a two-way to a full contract. Uh, so they need the roster spot to do that. So you know, like finding a way to move Terrence Ross and open that roster spot, whether that's getting a player and waving him, which would be tough with the salary constraints, um, or just taking picks for him. I think that's that's probably the 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 biggest goal for the Magic at the I, deadline I more than anything else. On the Ross thing too, just to add to it, one of the things this front office does that other Magic front offices didn't always do, they try to do right by players. Yes. Where it is, hey, all right, we're going a different direction. We're going to try to get you somewhere that makes sense for you, somewhere where you can be uh, part of a winner or somewhere where they're going to keep you long-term and those kind of things. And that's part of what factors in with a guy like Terrence Ross is, hey, if we can't get you somewhere, we're just going to set you free. And they're so far under the tax line. I don't even know that they even bother with a buyout. They may just say, just hey, take your you know full $11.5 million or whatever it is, that's your, you know, thanks for your years of service here in Orlando. You know, good luck with wherever you catch on next. And he's a guy who will have no problem catching on. Or it may be, all right, what's a prorated minimum for you the rest of the year is, you know, 500000 All right, just give us 500000 back. And that's, you know, we'll call it even and that's where we go. So we'll see how that ultimately goes. But yeah, it's, I will be shocked if I take trade deadlines like February 9th. We get to like February twelfth, and Terrence Ross is still on the Magic. I will be stunned. Like, I, I mean, the, just to the your only, point is, there's no real reason. Yeah, the only the only reason he would stay is that he likes spending time with his family sure. and hanging yeah. out in Orlando, which he very well may. Like, again, mm-hmm. they do right by they do right by their their players, and I, I think yeah. that's that is that is a hallmark um, of of this of this of this management group of this of this 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 team. Um, like you said earlier, the kind of pre agency. Um, that's something that I've tooled around with a little bit. I, I don't think the conditions are quite there to make this happen. 
Um, but it's very similar to what the Atlanta Hawks did with Clint Capella. I've kind of, I kind of often said like that the Hawks went out, used their empty cap space to get Clint Capella. They helped Houston clear some cap room for um, what I forget who that was. That was not the James Hart. That wasn't James Harden. It was they they cleared cap. No, room for it was someone. after that. Yeah, and I don't know that Houston ended up doing, but it was yeah. they were trying to clear space to make a run at a couple different people. But yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. One last break to get through before we finish our conversation with Keith Smith of Track, And I got to tell you a little bit more about FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited to have FanDuel on board as our new sports betting partner because they're, number one, they're the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel today. So you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57 that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I don't know if the conditions are quite there for that kind of a trade, but you know, I know a lot of Magic fans are already thinking a little bit about free agency this this offseason. I, I I don't imagine spending a ton to get a player's bird rights is in the cards, but you know, a lot of fans have been focused on Gary Trent Jr. Uh, now that Bones Highland appears to be on the market, I've seen some magic. I've seen some Magic fans, including uh, Luke Duffy over at Orlando Magic Daily, uh, 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 my friend Luke Duffy, at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, you know, kind of proposed, you know, should the Magic go after. Bones Highland. Um, there's been greedy Magic fans that want to chase after OG Ananobi and, and all that. Um, and so before we kind of get into some of the minor selling moves that the Magic could do, um, the Magic as a whole are such a young team. Uh, and, you know, we kind of hit hit on this with Terrence Ross and Gary Harrison. Look, I don't think Gary Harris is going anywhere unless the Magic get a humongous, like, like you know, an offer they can't refuse type deal. Like, he is so important to what, what this team does. The starting group with Markel, Gary, uh, Franz, Paolo, Wendell has a plus eight point something net rating. Um, It's gone down the last couple games because they really struggled against Chicago in the first game against Philadelphia. Um, But there's something that works about that group. Um, And and, and I think Harris is a good influence in the locker room. So I'm I'm not anticipating a trade there. But there's a lot of Magic fans that kind of want to be aggressive. But 
when you look at the roster makeup of this team, do you do you look at this team and, and, and get a little concerned over how young they are if they are looking to make that next step? Should if, if the Magic do make kind of an all-in push or make a, make an aggressive move, should it be after someone on the younger side? You know, this team is so under twenty-five; it's you know ridiculous. Um, or do they need to like spend some time adding veteran veterans or adding even multiple veteran role players to kind of help boost this team up a little bit? Yeah, it's a great question because it really comes down to your roster building building philosophy and then where you are on your team's timeline. I am not a huge believer in you have to align everybody on the roster's timeline. That to me is people go way too far with that because then what happens is and the Magic are potentially in that boat. I'm going to say potentially because right now I feel like when I look at that roster, you have you have a, a great blue chip in Paolo and then you have Franz who... At worst, when they are ready to be a very good team, he's a very good number three. And that's at worst, right? Like, yeah, he's probably a pretty good number two um, on that. I have full belief Paulo is a number one eventually, right? Not today. Like, it's going to take him a little while. He's a rookie. I have to I have to remind everyone he is 100%. a rookie. This is the yep. worst he is going to be. Yeah, exactly. If everything yeah. goes right, this will be the worst yeah. he's going to be. Yeah, and there's going to be blips along the way where it's going to be like, God, is he ever going to figure out X? Um, I'll just say about Paulo, just because I, I like to make this point, right? A lot of people know I cover the Celtics in depth, and I know there's a big thing with him and Jason Tatum being buddies, and Tatum's been mentoring him and helping, helping him along. Paulo Bancaro today is a way more refined and better all-around offensive player than Jason Tatum was in his rookie year. He is already a better passer than Jason Tatum was at any point up until this season. He is a very good passer. He has a very good understanding of the game. He has a lot more kind of refined skill sets. Now, I think Tatum always had that because of the athleticism, because of the other things that Paulo's just a little bit lacking in. Tatum's always had just a little bit of higher floor to go to. But you're talking like, the guy who's up on the penthouse and like Paulo's like in like the department right below. Right. Like, like we're not talking like, you know, different buildings or anything like that. Like these guys are super duper close. So that's where like I, and I've watched every game Jason Tatum has played his entire career. And most of them I've seen twice. And I've seen every game now that Paulo has played this rookie season. And I'm like, you know, man, he is a, pretty good already as far as being a refined piece. Now he gets a little crazy attempts some stuff where it's like, what are you doing? Like, that's not Jokic thinks you're ambitious with that pass. Like, like that. And that's, but that's fine. Right. That's he's learning. He's figuring out he's 20 years old. So, um, but to that point on your roster building point, I think what's important for the magic, how, how I think about this with this roster is I'm not going and making a trade for a guy like Kyle Lowry who it's like, he's ready to lift me for yeah. one season, right? Like, like, let's go. We're going all I, in. I've, I've seen some Magic fans pitch maybe getting Chris Paul, and I'm just like, that's, yeah, that's, those that's, that's not the right sense. move here. That's not now, the right move here. mid-career veteran point guard? I know right now everybody's all Fred Van Vliet, right? Like, that's the, the guy. Everybody's like, could we get Fred Van Vliet? And I know there's all these stories linking Van Vliet to the Magic, and I've, I've thoughts on that because i don't i think that's some uh informed dot connecting happening yes as yes, long I think with, so too. yeah i don't know that there's as much necessary interest there but somebody like that at that point in their career that to me makes sense 
right? Because that's one where I look at and I say, yeah, that's a guy who you could go get and basically say, yeah, he's good. Like we can move forward with a guy like that. So I think that is something where I really start to, as I look at the, um, the magic, it's not about, it doesn't have to be, go get another 20 to 22 year old because you've got that part of it covered. If you really, your intention is next year needs to be our big step forward season. We're going to contend for a playoff spot. That means we're in the mix for at worst the eight, nine, uh, or the seven, eight line in the play in game. Uh, but you know, at better, maybe we're in the mix for the five, six, maybe even the four seed. Go get those mid career guys because you're fine. Like, like you've got the youth covered. Like, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Where I know some people are like, nope, I don't, I, they shouldn't trade for anybody who's over 25. And it's like, yeah, because if they all that's pop, the big thing they're missing. Like, like, yeah, and if they like, all pop, and, and, you can't pay and keep them all anyway. That's and, and, the to the, and to that and to that point, and I think this is going to get to like I think the the one of the issues that's like hanging very quietly in the background of all this um of, of this trade deadline that that I don't think people even Magic fans are talking a lot about um and I don't think the Magic Magic fans or, or even the Magic themselves are probably ready to face this, but. Um, you know, I, I think the big thing that this Magic team should do is go out and get veteran role players. Like, go get a veteran three and D guy. Like, we love Chuma Okeke. We love what he can what he can be, but the injuries have like really chopped up his development. They, like, everyone knows the Magic needs shooting. Like, I, I I will argue that the Magic are not as bad of a shooting team as everyone suggests. I think they're like slightly below average, like 16, 17, 18, and three-point field goal percentage. They just don't take a lot of threes. They're, uh, they're around 30 three-point attempts per game. Um, the way the Magic have played in January, it hasn't been their defense that's changed. Their defense is about the same. It's their offense. They're averaging like, I think, 115 points per 100 possessions, which isn't great in this grand screen scheme of the league, but is really good for this Magic team. Um, so to me, like, to me, like the big thing, like the Magic should probably, the, the way the Magic get to the next level is obviously internal development. Paolo gets better. Franz gets better. Wendell gets better. Jalen you know, Jail Suggs adds some offense to his defense. Um, all that stuff gets better, but getting, creating space for everyone to operate. Going and getting, you know, I, I, again, I, I do like the Gary Trent Jr. idea. I don't know what the number needs to be to make that work or, or what number I would stop, I would stop thinking it's a good idea at, but like getting a knockdown three-point shooter who can defend multiple positions, the holy grail. Um, every team's looking for those guys, but getting getting even one or two of those guys will help so much. And, and it's not like you know. And yes, we we spent a good chunk saying like, oh, Terrence Ross is going to be gone because Terrence Ross seems like one of those guys. Ross is pretty inefficient, and he's a movement-based player. Like yeah. they need some standstill guys they can stick in the corner, stick in the wing. And just occupy that help defender long enough for Paolo to get by or for Franz to get by. And that's something they don't really have right now. Um, yeah. Gary Harris does that to some extent, but but they don't have enough of that. I think it's funny because I just had this conversation with someone else where Gary Trent to me is, I look at it, it's just funny that they're both named Gary. But I'm like, is he better than Gary Harris? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't I, think so. You know, Certainly not, not at the price. Yeah, because that's it, right? It's, yeah, if you were getting him and he was under contract, sure, go. Like, you're perfect. But you got to pay him. And paying a guy is not a big deal for the Magic. They've got plenty of uh, flexibility moving forward. Because even if it's not, even if then it's like, well, we got him and that eats up our cap space. Because then what you become is, well, how far from the tax are you, right? Because you, you shouldn't be dipping into the tax until you're truly a contender level team. 
in an ideal world. So in that situation, though, I look at it and I'm like, what does he give you that you're not already getting from Gary Harris, who is already a proven fit with the guys who are here? That's where it gets those ones get a little messy for me because I because I'm with you. And ideally, right, I, I want this team to get more shooting like that's my my probably when I. It's funny. I get asked a lot, like, what do they need? What kind of who, what position do they need to fill? And I'm like, it's a weird question because when you look at it, it's like none of them really, they kind of got guys in place at all of them. For me, it's skills that they need to fill. And for me, the single biggest skill that they're lacking on the roster is a guy who can just come in and make shots and you can trust because Terrence Ross can be that guy some nights. And then other nights he is one for 10 from three and you're down by 20 points because, you know, you, you, he couldn't knock anything down. So I think what happens in those situations is you get into a spot where it is, who, who can we get that we feel like every night this guy's going to make shots for me. And it's funny because I hadn't given a ton of thought to specific trade constructions until just yesterday when I looked at this and I was like, you know, the LA Clippers are dude, this is where I'm going with this one. Tell okay. I got I got another one that, that I like. Okay, good. <laughs> Cause I'm like, and you know, you know, you, we have sat next to each other for far too many magic games. I don't really like fake trades, right? Like it just, I don't need so many are too, too far out there, but at this time of year we indulge. So for me, it was like Clippers are known, like they need a big, and they're like, we, we, we are coming out of this trade deadline with another center. And I'm like, well, Mo Bamba has, he's done in Orlando. There's, there's, no chance he is back with this team next year that I can even fathom at this point. Like he's not, he barely plays now as it is. And I think, you know, a very easy swap because the money works very easily is Mobamba for Luke Kennard. And Kennard, no, Kennard's not your three and D guy because he's not much on the D side, but he's a guy who could come in. And I think Orlando, especially if Jonathan Isaac is, you can start to say, and I think we might be able to get 60 games out of Jonathan Isaac in a couple of the other. Yeah. Right. Knock heavily on the <laughs> with that. Um, I'm just looking to we, get 15 minutes from him first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's get 15 minutes from him for the rest of this season. Right. Um, but it's, you get that you've got Harris who can defend. You've got Markel Fultz, pretty good defender. I think Paulo is going to be a better defender than what he's shown. A lot of rookies, especially rookie bigs are messy. Carter's actually a pretty good defender. You're sorry. Jalen Suggs I, is verging on elite Jaylen defender Suggs here. could be an elite <laughs> defender. You can put Kennard out there and, and yeah. take care of it. Right. Cause you, it's, it's when you get to that point of like, man, it's now we've got four non-defenders on the floor. That's where it gets really messy. Three is, all right, we better be trying to outscore the other team. Two, all right, we could probably kind of work if the other ones are, are okay. One non-defender, everybody can cover for that as long as the other guys are good enough. Now, deep in a playoff series, that probably becomes a – but let's get deep in a playoff series yeah. before yeah, you I, know, I, before I, it matters, right? Like, So I think a guy like that who's signed long-term kind of doesn't necessarily have a locked-in role with the Clippers because they've got a bunch of other guys at that position and those kind of things. That's where I'm like, that's the kind of move – it's no one's going to see that trade and start jumping up and down and go absolutely bonkers on, you know, trade deadline ESPN TV shows and stuff. But that's the kind of trade where you might look at it two years down the line and be like, wow, you know, we in, in that's one where if you're the match guy, where we got Luke Kennard for Mo Bamba who didn't even play anymore. Like, and you're like, what a steal that was. Those are the kind of smart, you know, pick a thing off. Cause I think the magic are now in a point where 
It's no longer about collecting assets because they've done that, right? That's that's how you kind of end up with a roster of 13 big guys for a little while. Yeah. And it's and that was fine, right? Because just keep getting them. You're going to filter through them and figure it out. You think, figure out what works. Yeah. Exactly. And now you're in a position where you can start, all right, we, we feel pretty good about Paulo. We feel pretty good about Franz. feel pretty good about Wendell. Guard mix is a little weird, but but it's going to sort itself out. You know, we can start to pick off guys who really fit in Philly need here. And that's what I think somebody like a Canard can do for you if you can get into to that kind of position with him. Just because it's, you know, not, now you're getting somebody for, and you're getting him for somebody who's not a part of what you're trying to do here anymore. And that, that, you know, is that becomes basically a win-win. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've had writers on the Orlando Magic Daily staff who've pitched Terrence Ross for Luke Kennard or Mo Bamba for Luke Kennard. The one that I saw yesterday was uh, Dan, Fav- uh, Dan Favall. Uh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name uh, from Bleacher Report did like mm-hmm. one trade for every team. He pitched a Terrence Ross for Joe Harris trade, which I'm skeptical that Brooklyn wants to completely get rid of Joe Harris. Yeah. Cause you know, once he's healthy, you know what kind of shooter he is and, um, I jokingly, when I saw that, I said, well, hopefully the magic don't just cut him immediately this time, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but like, like something like that is, is definitely, definitely there. Um, yeah. you know, since- and, and, and that's not, again, that's not the kind of thing that anybody's going to be like, Oh my God, like we yeah. you know, won the trade deadline, but that's the kind of move where the magic have enough flexibility on the cap and you know, with the tax that like, that's the kind of move that can kind of make sense. They can and take on a little extra money and it won't like, like oh, I tell people all the, all, yeah. all the time about this. Like, like people are like, people come at me and say like, Jonathan, they, they need Jonathan, like before Jonathan Isaac came back, it's like, they need Jonathan Isaac on the floor. He's the highest paid player on the team. And I'm just like, money doesn't matter to this team yet. Yeah. Like it, even if Isaac it. never plays, he's a solid cap figure that they can wipe out whenever they want, or they could use in a trade to go get the guy that they need. Like the, the, like Isaac, the cap figure was just as important as Isaac, the player for, for a little while. And obviously you don't want that. I don't like thinking of people as assets no, as, but as it, it numbers on a book, but that's, that's the league. That's exactly. That's what the NBA is at times. Sometimes guys, you know, it's like Bill Simmons for years. They, they, the running joke was Theo Ratliff's expiring contract, right? Cause that's just what it was at that point. He could, he, he couldn't play anymore. So, you know, and you know what, too? It's funny. I've talked to players where it's like, does that hurt? And they're like, it does until that next check comes in on the first of 15. <laughs> and then it's like, I don't really care. I'm still getting paid. So, you know, and, and I think there is still, there's ego. And it's like, man, I don't want to yeah. be thought that way at the end of my career. I think, too, the, the other kind of deal that I think could make sense for the Magic, and I think is something where, like, this one is you're kind of splitting the difference between an asset play and adding talent that can help the, the team. And again, with that idea of like, all right, if, if you were going to move Gary Harris, I think I, I wouldn't, I would, I would have to be pretty blown away, but it wouldn't surprise me if you got with a team like, like new Orleans, who was like, Hey, what if we gave you one of these picks, extra picks we have? Cause they have, you're not getting the Lakers pick this year. Cause that's still too juicy. But like, what about one of the Bucks picks down the line? Like in, if I was Orlando, I might think eh, I could be post Giannis if he ever decided he wanted to leave Milwaukee. Like maybe, um, you start thinking about that a little bit, and that's where you could do like Gary Harris for Devonte Graham, another salary, maybe uh, Kyra Lewis, something like that, and a first round pick, and you're kind of splitting the difference, right? Because it's like uh, Devonte Graham could kind of help us as a shooter off the bench uh, next year. We do free up. Jalen Suggs play as many minutes as you can handle. I'm a little worried with anybody who just says we got to get more minutes for Suggs. 
time he starts to play more minutes, it seems like he gets hurt again. So I'm a little yeah, and and, a, and, a little and, and honestly, like people have been critical of Suggs since he came back because they don't feel like he's been as aggressive. And I'm just like, that's kind of a good thing. Like we want yeah. him to play under control, and he's picking his spots a little bit better. He's not he's not committing five charges a game. Um, that's yeah, he's getting a little bit of Marcus Smart, and no more. It's like, oh, there's a loose ball I maybe could get, and now I think he's way earlier than Smart ever realized it. I, I think he's picked up on like, all right, I'm gonna not dive into the front yeah. row of the ball. Maybe I could get with ten minutes left in a blowout game. Um, you know, so those are the kind of things where I think for him, like he's starting to pick those spots. But I'm still super high on him. Yeah, yeah, I there's think, a lot to like about him. They, they, yeah, there's there's so much there. They do just need. The dude just needs to be healthy. <laughs> like, give, him, give him, give him some like extended time. Like the defense sure. he's played the last three, four games, mm-hmm. like since he came back, has just been like, oh, like he's in- he's just fully embracing. I am going to stop anyone that I am guarding, and that's yeah. my job, and nothing else matters. And that's yeah, and, that's fine. <laughs> and for me, it's like, hey, guess what? This summer, you you are spending five hours a day in the practice facility and all you're going to do is shoot jumpers. And, and worth, and worth noting and worth noting on Jalen Suggs, in addition to all the injuries he had early in the season, he had the ankle injury last summer. Good. So he didn't yep. get a summer to work on his game. Exactly. So that's, 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 that's a really important thing. Yeah. Um, so, so just, you know, my kind of point there was like, that's one. It's kind of okay. If you move Harrison to deal like that, maybe cause you're kind of splitting the difference with that. But I, I really I tend to think like I would just hang on to him, but yeah, but, but other, those are the kind of things that I, I think yeah. should be looking at. And I know people are like, well, what about, you know, think bigger. Like what about Fred Van Vliet? And I'm kind of like, nah, I mean, okay, I guess, but then you yeah. got to pay him and yeah, that it's, gets a little messy. It's, and... it's it, like Fred, Fred Van Vliet at 20 million for three years with this roster, I think would make a lot of sense. And I think would give the team something it needs for a short time period. And then they can flip that into something that can really help elevate this team. Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet at four years at 32 or whatever he's looking, looking for that, that handicaps you a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that changes dynamics a little bit and so and he's you know, had some trouble staying healthy in the last yeah. few years and, and, and look that, he wouldn't have to carry yeah. the i mean he never had to carry the raptors but either but but it's, yeah. yeah it just it's i get all the reasons why it could make sense but yeah yeah i would like it's a lot of basketball yeah yeah it's, it's not it's not such a crazy idea yeah um, i would and, like and, and the all, idea of fred van vliet at 20 million dollars a year yeah you get more uh, than that it starts to get messy yeah and and and, and as always and he's you know kind of on the he's uh, is he on the wrong side of 30 already uh, yeah but he's he, he will be by the yeah end and he's a smallish guard those guys go fast like it's yeah, yeah. you don't want to get caught yeah. holding the bag and you know again like i uh, like like you said like i'm kind of in the same boat as you i don't like fake trades i don't like kind of looking at fake trades for like the the fake trade of it it's always the reason why, like, why would a team do a deal like this? Like we, we went through a couple iterations where it's like, okay, the magic needs shooting. You're giving up, you know, Terrence Ross or Obama that you're not playing at all to get, to get something of value. That's obviously a deal. That's obviously a deal that you really look at and you really think about uh, and do, mm-hmm. um, you know, you look at, you know, like I personally, I wouldn't do the new Orleans deal that you pitched, but like the idea of it is you're getting a player that can help us now, plus some assets for the future. That's, that's the kind of thing that you're trying to, create an example of, we're not saying the magic should do X, Y, Z, or the magic will do X, Y, Z. We're saying this is a kind of thought process that you go through. It's more concept, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. And, and like, I know that's what I always push with trade stuff is like, ask the why don't ask the who or the what it's the yep. why the why yep. is what matters. Um, to that point then, um, you know, there is something that you said earlier that I think is worth kind of peeling, peeling back a little bit. Um, 
I actually do think the Magic have a position have a position of need. Um, okay, it's it. I think the Magic do need a backup center. Um, to be to be perfectly honest, I know they're shopping Mobamba around, and I think this actually complicates the Mobamba discussions that they might be having. But they've been running Mo Wagner as their backup center. Um, you know, Wendell Carter, as good as he is, I, I think there are still some questions about him as a center on a play, on a like contending team, which again is a little further down the r- line, but. You know, Wendell's also also dealing with the plantar fascia issue throughout his career. Last year, I think he played the most games he's ever played. It was sixty something games. I've been telling people all, all off season, you pretty much have to count on Wendell Carter missing twenty games a year, mm-hmm. and so you really need a good backup center. Um, and so the Magic do going with Mo Wagner, who's had a great season, but I think we can all see how his flaws and Mo Bamba. You know the magic. The magic fell apart this year. Not that they were playing great before the Wendell Carter injury, but uh, when Wendell Carter went out with the plantar fascia strain, they nosedived. Like that's when the nine-game losing streak started. That's when this yeah. team really got in the hole. That for I, me was the end of the Mobamba experiment. Yes, too. That was when you were like, it's just not going to happen. He's just not getting it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's in, maybe it happened somewhere else. And if you're the magic, you have to. You have to it's, it's basically not tip the cap. If, if you trade him and it happens am, somewhere else, go. I am still I surprised they re-signed him. And I think I think they re-signed yeah. him because they had no other options. Whether whether the Magic were actually going after Isaiah Hartenstein, like 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 mm-hmm. some reporting suggested they were, I've heard conflicting things on the actual interest the team had. I still still think he would be a great fit. And uh, the Knicks, he's obviously not a great fit in New York. <laughs> so I think that's sure. still a possibility. Um, to, to, to make that, to make that happen. He like someone, they need someone like him who is a borderline starter. You know, they, they need a Martian and they didn't need Martian Gortat when they, when they had Dwight <laughs> Howard, because Dwight Howard plays, play yeah, every played 40, 40 minutes, minutes every game. Yeah. They need a Martian Gort. They need a Martian Gortat quality center right now. Like that's, that's the level that they're looking for. So I have two, two thoughts on that. One is, I think you can always get that in free agency sure. when you're ready. It's it's that's a when we're ready to win. We need to have coverage for the games Carter misses and for the 20 minutes a night he doesn't play. Right, we need to be good. So I think you can get that in free agency, much like they chased Hartenstein. I, I do believe that was true because the people who had that I think were pretty rock solid on it. I think for Hartenstein it was uh, I'm leaving a team that was supposed to be a title contender. In the Clippers, I want to go to one that's supposed to be pretty good, not on the way up. And I maybe thinks differently about that. So I think that, to, meaning today, he thinks differently about that. Um, now, I think you've got two things, though. I think it is, one, you get it in free agency. The other thing is, I think the guys on the roster right now, I think it's Jonathan Isaac. Because for me, watching him play, and I saw him play in Lakeland, and my first thing was like, all right, he looks pretty good. He's moving okay. But it's not – I always go back to, and I and I know you remember this because we were sitting right next to each other. His first game is rookie season. Goran Dragic does the Nash dribble underneath the rim to go to his little fall away, and Isaac's just there. And the look on Dragic's face was, you're not supposed to be here. Like, I was supposed to lose you on the dribble anyway, and now you're here on this shot. And – He's not that I think is gone. I think you can get it in. I'm a four or five who can switch on to guards and wings, but the guy who was, I am a wing defender. That's what I do. I don't know that we're going to get that back. Not surprising after everything he's gone through, but I think now what we're looking at is 
All right, Jonathan Isaac for $17 million. He is a backup 4-5 who can switch and do a lot of different things for us defensively. Fits in basically any lineup because that's how you unlock the Isaac, Bancaro, Vaga, or Franz lineups. Um, That's because it's, it's, uh, I don't like the whole Franz at the two thing. I, I get why I they did I, it early in you the lose, year. He loses deep. Like, he doesn't have the, the lateral quickness to guard That's twos it. on the you wing. You lose all and, the and advantages. And he's a good defender. Like, he is a good defender on bigger forwards, but he yeah. he, he doesn't have the and, speed to keep up with the twos. And he loses his offensive advantage by, mm-hmm. hey, on a guard, it's not as much. He doesn't, maybe he eventually develops a little post game and a little. He hunts some switching. Down there. Yeah, but like for him, it's. He's quicker than a lot of the threes and fours that teams put on him. So he's able to beat those guys off the dribble guards and wings. He's not necessarily going to be able to do that with all those guys. So that's where I think if I was thinking about rush construction with this team, I would start to be like, I think I might have it in Isaac. And for me, it becomes, all right, if I can get a good backup center, great. We'll just keep experimenting. We'll figure it out with Isaac long-term, but I, I, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. Why people say that. I, I also fully get and understand when people are like, we need the veteran point guard, like, like we need, or we need a star point guard who can, you know, kind of really be our, our engine that runs the offense and all those things. And I, I kind of get that, but then I look at it and it's like, well, if you get that, who's going out of Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony, but you can't have all of them. Like there's not enough minutes. You, you can't, you know, they're not all going to play. And I do, I do wonder is Cole Anthony going to get to a point where it is, he's going to want more money than what the magic are going to feel comfortable giving him. Um, you know, is that going to be how that goes? You know, where's it going to be? Either one of those guys is great playing them off the ball, especially not Fultz Cause he's just shooting. It's not just on space support. Yeah. So it just gets, he's better. Nasty, like but. he's better, but hundred percent, but he's but yes. not, Going to yep. fra- if if Markel Fultz is shooting that corner three even at fifty percent, yeah, that's something the defense is going to live with because he's not going to shoot at the volume. I think there's a good chance when this team is really good, there is a different point guard starting, yeah. and Fultz is the high volume sixth man, like like a Jordan Clarkson type of scorer off the bench. And you know what? Everybody kind of laughs at some of those things, and I always point out Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford played a combined like forty years in the league. It made a ton of money and won a whole bunch of six-man awards just doing that between the two of them. That's a great role for a lot of guys that you can play a lot of years in the league. That could maybe even be Cole Anthony's calling card down the line. But that's where I just get a little like this, because it was funny. I had this conversation with someone the other day because we were going through it, and he's like, he's like well, he's like, you know, I kind of get Bomba could be traded and Terrence Ross and maybe Gary Harris. He's like, he's like, but Big Hero's untouchable and Franz is untouchable and can't trade Carter. He's on a good contract. He's untouchable. And by the end of the conversation, he named off like seven guys yeah. who are untouchable. And my thing is in the NBA, there's maybe 10 untouchable players in the entire league. You know, and, and they don't all exist on the Orlando Magic, nor do they all exist on, you know, the Boston Celtics or the Golden State Warriors. It's, I think Paulo is, is there and he would be untouchable for me. Franz would be, you better blow me away with an incredible offer. It, it better be a first team, all NBA player. Exactly. Like, it better be somebody it, that I feel like is, this is, this is the NBA. No one yeah. is truly untouchable. There's, exactly. there's always like, like, but there's a, yeah, I don't think so. Untouchable. And that's yeah. what I think. You know, that's what I think he is. All the rest of the guys, I like them all plenty, but they're all like, eh, if it's the right deal. Sure. 
we we yeah. can you know we, I mean, we like, can go and that's like fine. I, like that's, I, I, that's guess what that's 30 teams in the league are in that exact same boat basically you know i think i think we hinted at this earlier but like like the magic are at a stage where they just need to get into the playoffs and i tell people all this all the time who are like fretting about markel or fretting about some other players it's just like you don't understand your team's weaknesses until you're in the playoffs and what you actually need to win a championship um, you have ideas about what works, but the playoffs expose your weaknesses. They expose all your flaws. Yep. And we're not going to know, you know, who actually fits this vision or whether even Paolo, honestly, whether even Paolo is the guy to lead you to a championship. I mean, I think Boston, Boston would, you know, to your, to your experience, Boston like wrestled with all these questions with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for years because they, they kept going, getting in the playoffs getting to the conference finals and falling short and trying to figure out why they're falling short was a huge thing. And then they finally get to the finals and now like everything like very crystallized for them. It's like, okay, now we know what to do. And you see, you know, you, and this doesn't always happen with finals runner runners up. You see this Boston team be like, okay, now we're on it. Now we know how to do this and what we need to do to win. And, and it's going to be fascinating to watch them the rest of the season. And even and now the playoffs. they got to a point where it was, we need, and they filled it, but we need a guy who can be a stabilizer for us on nights when it's a little tough for Tatum and Brown. And they filled that role by trading for Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Now they could do that because we were in the finals last year. We can make that trade. If you know, if that's they can mortgage your future a little bit. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're at a spot where, Hey, trading a single first round pick and a bunch of dudes, we, you know, Kind of like Aaron Neesmith, but fine. You know, we got to do that. Uh, the Derek White trade the year before, like just to come in, be another connector on the team. Like those are the things where I think for those guys, it is, that's where you, that's knowing your team, knowing what you need and knowing what you're, where you're at. And that's for me with, with the magic. I trust Jeff Weltman and John Hammond to be very honest, if nothing else with themselves of we're not there today. But you know what? We might be there tomorrow. And what we don't want to do is when we are there tomorrow, we used it all chasing something today. And I think that's where you're going to be looking at this team. And it may be, you know what? We made a, what looks like a relatively minor or smaller deal, but it's, and I'm not talking a bull bull thing, but yeah. like a, you know, very much a mid range swap of a couple guys. They, then, they, they went for a single instead of a trip. Yeah. Yep. And then, and then, but then, you know what? Then it was like, Oh, you know what? I can stretch that into a double. And that's what you did, right? We 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 stretched it out a little bit. And now we're in a spot where wow, that actually looks pretty good down down the line because because we we rebalanced, we get some stuff that fits. It's it's a very fun time for them because of the flexibility and because you have the the kind of two building block guys now that have shown, hey, we can do this. And it's not just we can score. Or we can do these things. Like those two guys are good all around guys. They both be better defensively. That's fine. And then eventually I think will be. I think there's the tools there to be better defenders. Um, but their offensive games are as well rounded as any two young guys coming in the league. My my perfect scenario is they do something small to rebalance the roster. They miss the playoffs, they get lottery luck, and they get Scoot Henderson. Because be that's it, man. <laughs> it's like, over. It's over at that go. point. Right. Because I'm like, now you've got, now you've got it all. You've got basically everything you need to be great. I'll take, I'll it, take the Thompson twins or Keontae George for that matter too. Funny too, because I laugh about this all the time. And I'm like, it sounds absurd. They wouldn't do it. No one's passing off Victor Wembanyama at the top. But I'm like, if the magic landed the number one pick, 
I wouldn't be totally afraid of if the team at two is like, man, we needed Victor. Hey, I'll make a Danny Ainge like trade and I'll trade out of one. You give me everything and I'm going to get Scoot who fits great with what I need. And now I have all these picks and other players and all this other stuff. You get one Binyamin, that's fine. But we really love the kid we got. I would, that wouldn't fully show. I don't think it would happen because I think I, everybody's terrified of. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to pass miss, yeah. on one But like, it's almost one where I'm like, I kind of would. I make the call. Into that too. Yeah, it's, just it's a Pat Williams. I asked, "How'd you get three? How'd you get three first round picks?" I asked for six. Like the the Magic yeah, did it right? with Chris Webber. Everyone it. thought they were yep. crazy trading Chris Webber. Trading yeah. Chris Webber. Yeah, and they built. Yeah, I mean that gave them. Yeah, Penny and a ton of picks. Absolutely. Gave him pe- so, it yeah. gave him Penny. It gave him Vince Carter, who they traded back yep. to Golden State, <laughs> and it gave them Mike Miller, who was a rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's how you do it, right? That's how you how you really build out a roster. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's just. I trust this front office more than I've trusted them in the past to just stay the course. Like we don't need to rush. This is not the time. You know, let's just be very smart about how we build this team out and put it together. And honestly, like I think you can look back at the entirety of magic history. I think it'd be very hard to trust a front office, any previous magic front office more than this one, to be perfectly honest. Like John Gabriel and Pat Williams, did a great job in the early years. They got very lucky. Um, and like Gabriel made some mistakes. Uh, obviously Pat Williams made mistakes with Shaq and we can argue, you know, we could dive back into whether <laughs> that was predetermined. There's obviously a lot of NBA CBA history wrapped up in that. And uh, honestly, a lot of other factors that I think were wrapped up into that, that would not exist today in the same way. Um, but I, I do think that a, that this is a really exciting time for this, for this magic team, not just for what's on the court, but the potential off of it as well to, to add players and to really, make this special. And, and, you know, again, I, I've, t- I tell people this all the time. Magic are sitting at 20 wins right now. They will easily blow past last year's win total. They're playing essentially they're 15, 11 in their last 26 games as we record this, whether they're 15 and 12 or 16, 11, that's still an incredible jump up for this team. But um, I, I we'll think quote, if I could say one more thing on it too, what's yeah. super fun with this team is we're not coming out of the trade deadline thinking like, Oh, I got to watch 25 more games of this. Like it's like coming out of the trade deadline, no matter what they do, it's like, I get 25 more games of this. And maybe they were just good enough to give me a couple more. Like all all we ever, all we asked, like, I I, I would probably say from my preseason predictions, like I think I had them at 29 wins and it was really 32, but I expected late season chicanery. Um, Mm -hmm. All I really asked was like play meaningful games in February, play meaningful games after the all-star break. Like this team is playing meaningful games. Like people were legitimately Fans were legitimately pissed uh, pissed off, were angry after they got blown out by the Bulls on the second night of that back-to-back. And it was just like, it was because a lot of people felt there was a lot in that game because we're chasing Chicago. That was a six-point game yeah. um, for, for my soccer fans. Um, that, <laughs> like, to, like, and I tell, I tell people all the time, I was like, let me, let me, like, pause your anger. I want you to feel your anger. Feel that anger. It's good that you're feeling that anger. That means yeah. this team is yeah. doing the right things. They're, they're t- making the progress we want to make, and we're eager to see this team take that next step. Um, we're not going to get to the rest of the league because uh, we're already at an hour here. Um, you're, you're right. Shocking, uh, that that you 40 I. minutes was ambitious for me. Um, uh, but I, I hinted at the kind of the storm cloud that I think is hanging over this team a little bit. I think you've hinted at it too. Um, eventually rookie contracts end and you got to pay, pay guys. Um, and so 
I think very quietly, and again, I don't think the Magic are quite ready to face this. I don't think fans are quite ready to face this because he's just so popular and I think does a lot of really good things. And I think he's starting to really embrace his role um, in this new environment and playing really, really well and has proven to be very, very important. But um, I think a sneaky trade candidate, at least in the offseason, I don't know about now, but I, I do think Cole Anthony's future with this team is is going to be a real test for this front office. and. Yep how much they value what he does and how much you're willing to pay for what he does. Um, and obviously he, you have to let him play it out and see how he looks and every game's a test and all that. But um, I, I do think that there, there's Cole Anthony's a glue guy on this team. Like he, he is a gunner. He wants to score. He wants to shoot, but there is no player on this team that is a bigger cheerleader for everyone else on the team than Cole Anthony. Uh, and, and, you know, like from, what I understand and what, uh, you know, like kind of whispers that I've heard that, you know, there is a little bit of concern with this team that eventually the reality of the NBA is going to hit them. They're not going to be able to keep everybody. They're going to have to make moves to like push this team forward to win. And, you know, honestly, Cole Anthony could be the first big casualty of that. How, like we, we talked, you can't add it a little bit, but how do you, how do you approach this problem or, or this 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 question for the Magic? Obviously, it's a huge test point because in you know this is year three for Cole Anthony. He's extension eligible in the summer. He'll be a free agent. He'll be a restricted free agent after next season. How do you approach that with a player like him? Uh, and 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 how do you kind of deal with the fact that this is going to be a young roster that very soon is going to be dealing with the realities of the NBA for the first time in a major way? Yeah, you can't be too precious with with your own guys, and that's where you you get stuck sometimes, right? Everybody wants to be. We drafted him, we developed him, he became a you know a good player here, maybe even a great player, maybe even all star level guy. But where you get in trouble is the guys who are just they're they're okay, right? They're 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 pretty good. Like then, what you run into is you pay too many of those guys. And now you've you've run out of two things. One, you run out of cap space. Second thing, you run out of his roster spots. You know, the the first you can always work around it. You figure it out. Roster spots are a real issue, and they kind of sort of will be for the Magic a little bit in the coming years because they're gonna get two picks this year, most likely. You got you have a you have all your own picks moving forward. They've got another pick coming from Denver in the first round. They clearly like to use their second rounders on guys that they think can play. They're not just kind of treating them. You know, exactly. Right. Yeah. But, you know, and, and I think they've made the right moves over the last couple of years of, you know, selling a couple and, you know, moving a couple down the line and those kind of things. Cause it's, again, you can't, you can't roster space. everybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so I think that's, you, you start to look at two things. One is, all right, this summer, Cole Anthony's extension eligible. You, hopefully you already have started to get a sense of what is that number, right? And, and for Cole Anthony, it's, well, it's not going to be anything team-friendly because why should I do that? Like, I'm young, I'm Joe and I can play. And for the Magic, it can't be anything that isn't team-friendly today because it's that's just not where they are. So I think this one starts to look into two things happen here. One is either we, we come to an agreement on a number that makes sense for both of us and kind of splits the difference. Um, or we have to really consider either you we lose you because we lose you in free agency or we're going to move you in a trade before that becomes an issue. And I think what you could see happen with Cole Anthony is whether it's in the next week, I don't think so. 
but probably when we get into the summertime, especially if it is like, you know, we want to add that kind of mid-career veteran point guard guy into the mix here, then I think that's where it could be like, all right, Cole Anthony plus plus. Now we've added up some salary, either that gets us that guy or that moves him on. I don't, it's just very tough because he's not the kind of guy you can, you, you, like I said, you lock into too many of those guys and now you have a very messy roster Boy, there's not enough minutes. Everybody's a little overpaid and that just gets, gets confusing and, you know, complicated. So I think you just got to be really, really sure on him. And that's, that's tricky for a guy who so far his best role has been bench scoring guard. Again, great role in the career. Is that where the magic need him to be? I don't know, especially considering if you add something better at point guard, they already have that in Markel Fultz. That's somewhere the little bit of the duplication on the roster starts to potentially come an issue. Not today again, but down the line. So you got to be very, very cautious about that. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, credit to Jeff Weltman and his staff, um, credit to, uh, I think Pete Alessandro's their cap, their capologist, mm-hmm. um, they found a way to front load all their contracts, oh, uh, yeah. which which has been kind Great of job. ingenious to create. Like at a moment when the magic money isn't important, like they don't care how much cap room they have, they're not going to spend it all. Like now is the time to use that cap room. They free it up in the back end. Like Wendell Carter's contract is ridiculous. I'm actually a little concerned at the end of his contract because suddenly he's going to go from a $10 million cap hit to 20, 21, 22, probably. Um, you know, they're... They're gonna. And it's and gonna be very after, hard to extend him because he's gonna be on such a low number. Yeah. Where if it is like we want to keep him, yeah, those contracts are great, right up until they aren't, right, yep. and that's and that becomes your challenge. And, and then and then and uh, you know, I assume we're gonna get cap smoothing in the new CBA. But I think no, I think it's. But uh, dot I would dot say dot TBD to just you know do this one very very quickly because it's a slightly different uh, you know math here and scenario, but this is probably where you end up getting squeezed and you lose a guy like Chumo KK, right? Because it's yeah. what happens there is it's like, all right, he hasn't shown enough that we, we should be paying him. Um, and I apologize. Our dogs are going to lose their mind in just a second here. Um, <laughs> I can see the guy walking to the door to deliver a package. <laughs> um, but you get into a spot where it is, you know, well, what happens with this? And I think what's ultimately going to happen with those guys is, you know, where do we go with, you know, with all of this is, all right, at some point it's going to be, he's not going to take so little that it's like, it's worth sticking around keeping the roster spot. So probably just becomes almost a sacrificial lamb of, you know, we got to move on. Again, not told you. Uh, yes. <laughs> hey, um, not today, right? We don't need to do it today, but you know, next summer, it maybe starts to be a thing, but that's when next summer, you know, Hey, we could throw Chumo KK in his, let me make sure I have the number. Right. Yeah, his five point two million. Cole Anthony's five point five million. Put those together. All right, now we're in the range to go get somebody who makes fifteen million dollars. And that's those are the kind of difference making moves you can make with players like that. Even if it does like sting, because it's like, oh man, those are our guys. Like you know, we, we we've been through with them. Sometimes you got to give up on your guys to get better guys who, uh, as, who will then become your guys down the line. Gary, like like we said Gary Harris knows that firsthand from what Denver Denver had to do to to get Aaron Gordon and now they're you know Aaron Gordon's having an all-star caliber yeah. year playing the role we all wanted him to play in Orlando but couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't get the guys to, to yeah. put him in that role he just never had the other like, guys yeah yeah helps a little yeah. bit yeah 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 how, how dare the magic not have a Nikola Jokic yeah, I know Indeed. I mean, Nikola Vucevic was like a Jokic light for a little while. <laughs> Evan Fournier just wasn't Jamal Murray. Sure. Um, yeah. Keith, sure. uh, 
uh, I always appreciate you coming on, uh, talking a little bit about the, the trade landscape. Um, obviously, this is like like we said earlier, this is just the beginning. This is just the start of of the process. There's going to be a lot happening in the off season uh, for this team too. I think, and a lot of that's going to get set up uh, set up this week. Uh, where can everybody find you um, if they have any transaction related questions, any cap related questions? Um, we're not going to get into the fun that is the local RSN, uh, the, the Bally Sports, the Diamond Sports Group uh, bankruptcy, which I am also very interested and fascinated with. But um, but uh, where, where can everyone find you if they have uh, questions leading up to the deadline? So I'm going to answer it in reverse. The, the okay. Bally Sports, the RSN stuff on NBA Front Office Show, which is my show with Trevor Lane, that, that the two of, I, of us co- cover everything there. Uh, we talked all about that a, a few episodes ago. You could go find that if you really want to get into. On my playlist now. Where could this go? So that's in there. Um, but I, I think Magic fans know how to find me on Twitter. A okay. lot of them did a couple weeks ago. Um, you guys, <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up. Right? No, it's fine. And I... I'm not bothered by it at all. It was all fun. Like, and know what? And I said it, Magic fans should have been chirping. Like, when you do something, you have something to chirp about, chirp away. Like, go crazy. Like, so I I, I think people thought I was legit bothered by it. And I'm like, it's this, this is like, that's fun, right? Like, you know, and a couple people got insulting and they they ended up off to the wastelands of the blocks. Um, but for the most part, people were just having fun and going back and forth. But anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA if somehow you haven't found me there yet. If you're interested in all this kind of roster stuff and trade deadline coverage and all that, you can find my work over at Spot Track. That's what I do there. I write a lot about contract stuff, a lot about roster building, a lot about the trade deadline. Get a lot of uh, pieces and articles up up over there uh, with, with that. And then I um, uh, like I said, NBA front office show. If you're like like shows like this, but you want that like all the time for the entire league, um, that's what we do over there. So you know, check us out. NBA front office show is a fantastic listen. Uh, I I do I do frequent that one uh, when I get around to it on the twenty thousand podcasts that I try to listen to every. <laughs> every day, uh, every week, whenever they come out. Um, Keith, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. Um, always, always help, help me out. Even though I like to think I know, uh, the cap, I know that you are, you are the expert on this and, and, and the expert on what's going on around the league. Um, uh, uh, so I want to thank you again for, for hopping on, giving, giving us some clarity. Uh, I want to thank all of the listeners for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter. At, you can find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast. On Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tuned in to Himway, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, all the voice available podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter, at omagicdaily. And for your next listen, check out the Game to Game NBA podcast. Every game recapped by our local experts every single Monday through Friday. Not every single day, but every Monday through Friday. You can find that on the Locked On NBA feed on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, for Keith Smith, for me, Philip Ross, I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked Up Magic. We'll see you all again next time with another episode of Locked Up. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.